Uh, we're back here for part two with Gil Alexander. Uh, a little technical difficulty, I suppose, with uh, cell phones and, you know, talking cross-country or something along those lines. But uh, to pick up from where we were just discussing with Ohio State and Oregon, I don't think there's that big of a, of a speed discrepancy between the two teams. Uh, and Meyer has thrived throughout his career on slowing down, um, uh, you know, unique systems. Um and with the way Alabama has now transitioned under Lane Kiffin to be more of a spread offense this season, I don't think there's that big of a leap between what they saw against Alabama and what they're going to see against Oregon. So I feel very confident about the Buckeyes this week. Um, I think the key, without a doubt, is to make sure that they do not get down big early. You don't want to get down 14 or 17 nothing early on to Oregon. Uh, but if they can get through the first quarter, either with a lead or with the game being kind of a very tight and grind them out, which I expect it to be anyway, and that's why I kind of lean to the first half under in this one, uh, because typically in big uh, title game type of situations, teams will play a little bit tighter early on. Uh, both coaches and players sometimes will play uh, or, or coach uh, very very tight. So um, I, I think you, know, you got a great bet there, Gil, with seven and a half for sure, even at, at, at the full seven. And quite frankly, even at the six or six, I mean, six and a half, you buy it up to seven. But even at the six right now, I think this is going to be, um, you know, Oregon's going to win by a field goal. I think it's kind of a field goal game either way, quite frankly. I think we're in for a really, really good matchup on Monday night. Well, good luck with your 40 to 1 ticket because I know that's exciting. Absolutely. So I know absolutely. You will be engaged, that's for sure. Well, for sure. I was engaged, uh, you know, well into the wee hours here on the East Coast uh, on New Year's Day because uh, that game didn't wrap up till about 12.45. So, uh, and it was exhilarating all the way to the end. And luckily, the Buckeyes were able to keep this ticket alive. So let's move forward here, Gil, to the NFL. we got four games we can quickly go through. Um, you know, first one on tap on Saturday is Ravens at Patriots. Patriots currently laying seven. Uh, some spots are even dropping to six and a half now because they're starting to see a lot of public and sharp action on the Ravens. What are your thoughts on this one? I like Baltimore getting the points here. Um, you know, Baltimore has three things that are really going for them. One, they've got a quarterback who's really good in the postseason, and Joe Flacco. Not that the Patriots don't, but just talking about Baltimore here, they got a quarterback you can rely on. They have a pass rush that you can rely on, and really a good defense against the run, anchored by Haloti Nada and Terrell Suggs. And, you know, they've, they've also got this really underrated running game and running back in Justin Forsett who is just reeling off yards per carry this year. Just an unbelievable year for Forsett, who, you know, was a backup for his entire career before this year. No one talks about Ray Rice anymore in Baltimore. This guy's been unbelievable. The only Achilles, the big Achilles with the Ravens is obviously that pass defense, but it's amazing what a good pass rush and the ability to stop the run and make another team one-dimensional can do for you. So I like the Ravens getting the points here for all of those reasons. And again, you know, are they a team that could win it outright? You know, you always have to ask yourself there. I actually think they are a team that could. But again, give me seven points, give me six and a half, whatever it is right now. I'll take the Ravens. 
Well, the Ravens certainly seem to have the Patriots number, especially in Foxborough in the playoffs. And you alluded to Flacco being uh, a great postseason quarterback. And, you know, even though Flacco's won a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP, he continues to be very underrated, which I don't understand because there's such a small group of high quality or great quarterbacks in the NFL, much smaller than people really want to accept quite frankly. Um, And I put Flacco in that group because the guy, again, you know, we talked about Urban Meyer being a winner. Flacco just seems to be a guy that just wins and he gets the job done. He's always giving quality road performances in the playoffs. The one X, I don't have an opinion on this game, but the one X factor I, I do see in this game is uh, Gronkowski. I think if, if, the Patriots utilize him properly. He could really burn the Ravens uh, down the middle of that pass defense, as you alluded to, which is really their their Achilles heel. Um, and you know, if they can get Gronk going early uh, and establish that early, and then that might open up the receivers later in the game because they'll be so focused on the middle of the field uh, that that could really spell trouble for the Ravens as the game progresses. And then Brady can really start hitting receivers and kind of stretch the field and, and move the ball vertically. But I think it's going to be a great matchup. Uh, you know, these two teams know each other very well, especially come January. So I'm excited to see the chess match between uh, Harbaugh and Belichick for sure. The second game on Saturday is the uh, the West Coast game, Panthers at Seahawks. Uh, line open somewhere around 11 and a half. Uh, has now trickled down to 10 and a half. Gil, what are your thoughts on this one? Was that Panthers-Cardinals game not the worst playoff game you've ever witnessed? It, it was pretty bad, yeah. <laughs> what's, what's even worse is that the Cardinals actually had a chance to cover that game. Oh, they should have covered it. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny. That's another thing we're talking about, Oregon-Florida State, how people perceive that game. I mean, Ryan Lindley had the ball at the eight-yard line pick. He had the ball at the twenty-six-yard line pick. You know, it's like it's like if it wasn't if it was anybody but Ryan Lindley, the Cardinals are covering that game. But it was Ryan Lindley, and they didn't. Uh, this is a tough one because the number's so big. I guess it's ten and a half right now. It might have been eleven and a half earlier in the week. Uh, you know, uh, Carolina has played the Seahawks well, I guess, in the past. But those games, if I'm not mistaken, were always in Carolina entirely different proposition at Seattle. I've been to a playoff game in Seattle. It is ridiculous. You cannot hear the person next to you. And it's a tough environment for anyone, Cam Newton or anyone. Uh, and I just, you know, look, Carolina, again, 7-8-1 this year, now 8-8-1 eight, eight with that win. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to bet on the Panthers. If I was going to bet on anything here, I would take the Seahawks just because I just think their defense with all their guys back now is second to none. And I think they do enough to cover that number. It's not my primary bet of the weekend, but I'd lean Seattle here. This is a very unique game because this is a very traditional quote unquote, sharp, better spot, right? A a double digit dog in the playoffs for most of the old school handicappers is almost like a blind bet. But I completely agree with you, Gil, that there's this, I I've watched this Panthers team. They're awful. Cam Newton is awful. <laughs> and I just can't see how they're going to be able to move the ball. I, I just don't see how they're going to be able to score. And I mean, I'm not, you know, cutting in line to go bet the Seahawks. Uh, you know, especially a ten and a half at a bad number there. But I'm sure as hell not betting the Panthers in this game. 
And right. like I said, I mean, I know a lot of sharp groups are on uh, on Carolina. A lot of people I talk to are on Carolina, and I just don't see it. I mean, yes, initially when I saw the number, I said, oh, man, that's big. You know, I probably lean Carolina. And then I took a step back for a moment. I really started thinking about it. I'm like, wait a second. This team's terrible. I mean, I watched this team all season. They're terrible. And, yes, they did a great job of getting hot in December and finding their way in the playoffs. And, you know, historically speaking, over the last 10 years, those types of teams in the NFL have kind of caught fire and kind of been able to, to move themselves through the playoffs. You know, the Ravens as a wild card a couple of years ago. Uh, the Giants have done it. You know, t- teams just kind of get hot uh, at the right time. And even if they have to go on the road, they seem to win games. But I just look at this ma- – it's a complete mismatch to me. Um, but from coaching all the way down to the personnel. So I, I agree, Gil. I mean, if I'm betting anyone, it's going to be Seattle. But uh, to me, this is a no play. But it's an intriguing matchup to see, um, you know, the old school sharp guys kind of position themselves right from the get-go and grabbing that 11 and a half, uh, you know, because it is kind of like a, a blind bet with a double-digit dog in the playoffs. But it should be interesting nonetheless. So let's well, go. I do two. I do two NFL podcasts. Uh, weekly during the NFL season. One is the Guessing Line Show, which I do with Chris Andrews, who you mentioned earlier. One of the things that Chris always says is they take away your wise guy card if you bet on the Seahawks there, given double digits, right? It's sort of our, our sort of inside joke about how, oh, don't do that. You're instantly viewed as a dummy if you, you know, rank the points. Well, again, sometimes it warrants laying the points. And again, you, you used a great phrase there. I'm not cutting in line to bet the Seahawks. It is a lot of points. But I'm certainly not doing a knee-jerk. It's the wise guy thing to do to bet the Panthers here. I'm certainly not buying into that. The other show that I do during the NFL week is what I call the Megapod. And that's a roundtable discussion where I have three handicappers on the show, and they give their takes on all these games. And one of the final questions that I ask on the show is, which of these games, we usually do it during the NFL regular season, but we also do it here in the playoffs with four games for a wild card and divisional round week. And I say, which of these four games is the one you want the least part of from the side perspective? In other words, if you had to bet on three of these games, pick a side for three of them, but you've got to pass on one of them, which would that game be? I'm very curious. I haven't recorded yet. I'm recording tomorrow morning. Very curious to see if this is the game they take a pass on. Hmm. That's a good point. That's a very good point. So let's move into Sunday now. Uh, Cowboys at Packers. Uh, Packers now laying six. What do you got here, Gil? I'm a Redskin fan. I am by birth predisposed to hate on everything Dallas. Yet, I like Dallas with the points here. I really think this team is solid. And I think offensively, this is one of the most solid offensive football teams that you will really ever see. At least that's how they're made up. I think their offensive line is spectacular. And, of course, the three-headed monster of Romo, Bryant, and DeMarco Murray. I think even with all that happened on Sunday, the picked-up flag game against the Lions, they got through it. Say what you will about you know how you feel as a fan or a better having watched that and how that fell for you betting-wise. But they got through it, and now they're going to Green Bay. The monkey is off their back. You know, this was the big thing. They were always a 500 team, the Cowboys. This was the year where they won the NFC East 12-4. and four. Oh, my God, this team might actually be good. But are they going to fall on their face in the playoffs? Well, they didn't in the end. And now I kind of think the pressure's off in a way for this group. 
I almost think now it's gravy. From this point forward, it's gravy. If they go to Green Bay and lose, well, you went to Green Bay and you lost. It's happened to a lot of teams going to Lambeau. But I think this team is confident. I think that they have disguised their defensive deficiencies through much of this season, and the main way they've done so is by keeping the ball on the field with their offense on the field. So the defense hasn't had to be on the field for as long. And the big story of this game is obviously Aaron Rodgers' catch train. You know, when we last saw Aaron Rodgers, he was doing well in the second half against Detroit in Week 17, but he sure wasn't mobile. And you can get through a half against Detroit. I don't know how mobile he's going to be. None of us really do in this game. So that's obviously the biggest thing here. But again, you're giving me a mess of points here with the Cowboys. I'll happily take the Cowboys getting all those points. Spot on, Gil. I, I like the Cowboys a lot in this game. I mean, I, I like them a lot. I think they went out right. Um, everything you said is <laughs> it's like you're inside my brain. I mean, pretty much everything I thought as well. Um, it, it does seem like everything is kind of coming together for Dallas this year. They didn't fall apart in December. They're not finishing 8-8. Eight and eight. Romo got his playoff win. Uh, they've got a, a real run game. The defense has a couple holes, but I'm not sold on this Green Bay team. Uh, I, I think Rodgers' injury is, uh, is a big question mark um, and should be interesting to see how that plays out, especially in the second half. Um, but... I really like Dallas in this game. I think it, the, the matchup is perfect for them. I think this is much better for them to face Green Bay this week instead of having to face Seattle this week. Because, um, you know, obviously they've got some history with Seattle. And I think it's better for them to face Seattle in the conference title game uh, than it is for them to face them here with uh, Seattle coming off the bye week. Um, I think this is a great matchup for Dallas. Uh, you know, like you, I think you said, you know, they got the monkey off their back last week in a wild finish to say the least. Um, but there's a lot of good things to say about Dallas. And, you know, I grew up an Eagles fan, so I, I feel your pain on having to, you know, say nice things about the Cowboys. But I think there's a lot to be said for uh, the progression this team has made throughout the season. Um, you know, they never really fell on their face at all this year. You know, you kept on waiting week after week. You know, when are the wheels going to fall off for the Cowboys? And it just never did. And they just seemed like a different team this year. And, um, you know, obviously the uh, emergence of, of Murray and this running game is kind of um, spearheading a lot of that. But uh, I'm really impressed with them. I think Garrett's doing a good job. There's just something right now with the Cowboys where it, it just seems right for some reason. And, um and, you know, they got through last week, and that, that's oh, sometimes the biggest hurdle is just getting that first playoff to win, and then teams kind of cruise through the next two rounds in the Super Bowl. So it should be interesting to see how it plays out. But uh, I agree. I think the Cowboys uh, plus the points here is the way to go. Then we wrap and if, up. And if you ask me, and if you ask me which of those two dogs that I just picked between the Ravens and the Cowboys I think is more likely to win outright, I would even go Cowboys there. I, I would second that. I would definitely uh, second that for sure. So now we go into the uh, the late game on Sunday, the Colts at the Broncos. Uh, currently, Denver is laying seven. What do you have going on here, Gil? This is the one where I lay the points, and I lay them confidently. I will lay the seven points with the Broncos. Peyton Manning, you know, you, you look for things to say that are negative. Well, what can I say negatively about the Broncos? I guess I could say that Peyton Manning did not at all finish the season strongly, uh, and that's kind of where it ends because 
this is the team, the Colts now. I've said all year with the Colts, and it takes nothing away from Andrew Luck. He's great. He's brilliant. But at some point, the fact that you're one-dimensional on offense is going to come back to haunt you. And every week I say, I'm not sure that this is the week, but dot, dot, dot. Well, this is the week. This is the week where that comes back to haunt the Colts. And the Broncos' defense, you know, again, as much as we are trained to talk about Peyton Manning, Broncos' defense is really the story of the season, along with, you know, the Broncos' running game becoming a big deal here late in the season with um, C.J. Anderson. Is it C.J. Anderson? I'm I'm blanking on his name now. C.J. Anderson. I think that's it. Anyway, (laughs) I'm blanking on the Broncos' running back name. But defensively, the Broncos against the run – I think our fifth best in opponent yards per rush attempt. They don't need that rush defense against the Colts because the Colts aren't running. Against the pass, the Broncos are number one in the NFL against the pass, yards per pass attempt. So it's almost a perfect matchup against these Colts. And I do think that the Colts' defense for much of this season, their success has largely been based on their ability to hold teams down on third downs, their opponent third down conversion rate has been really good defensively. Well, that ain't going to happen against Peyton Manning. And so I just think that this is a game that I'll happily give the seven. Peyton Manning's got Julius Thomas healthy now. Forget about it. I'll take the Broncos here. I'm going to disagree with you on this one, Gil, and I'm not, I don't strongly disagree, but I disagree. Um, the numbers, when you look at the game just strictly from the numbers, and you did a great job of uh, presenting some of that in your analysis there, um, I completely agree are against the Colts and, and for Denver. And it seems like all season the Colts have been kind of like the anti-wise guy team, right? And all the Sharps continue to just kind of blow off the Colts, but yet the Colts continue to win. And I mean, I had the Colts last week against Cincinnati, and I know a lot of sharp groups I talked to had Cincinnati, and I just didn't see it uh, really. And luckily, I was able to cash that ticket. But I think Manning's hurt. I think there's I think there's something serious going on with him. I think his performance towards the end of the season was just not. It was not just him making bad decisions or people not being in the right spots. I think he's legitimately hurt, and I don't know if something's going to come out after the season's over. But I think he's hurt. And yes, he's had this extra week to kind of rest up and everything, but there's just something with his mechanics the last three or four weeks of the season that is different from the Peyton Manning mechanics that you're used to seeing for the last, whatever, it's, you know, 16 years or whatever it is now. Um, I think he's hurt, and that might end up being the storyline come Monday morning. Uh, if the Colts are able to, you know, find maybe keep this game close and find a way to win, or keep the game close and and may, may at least make it entertaining. The thing I like about this with the seven is that you've got the back door open. If they are getting beat by ten or thirteen or fourteen late in the game, they get a you know a cheap TD late. You maybe get the back door. Um, I just don't know. I completely agree with everything you said about the Broncos' defense. Well-improved the story of the season, the difference maker for them, quite frankly, because obviously the offense wasn't as prolific and as as, as uh, historical as it was last season. Um, so I, numbers-wise, I'm totally agreed. It's all about Denver. But there's some intangible here that I just think that the Colts are going to be able to kind of hang around in this game, and it's not going to be the blowout that most people anticipate. And I think a lot of it is going to be predicated off the fact that my gut feeling is that there's just something wrong with Manning right now because he has looked 
awful the last couple weeks of the season. And there, it's not again. It's not just about him making bad decisions. It, it, there's got to be something physically wrong with him right now. Uh, and and I would not be surprised if something came out in February or March uh, once the season wraps up that uh, he was hurt for the last uh, you know month or six weeks of the season. So anyway, it should be interesting to see how that plays out. But um, I I'm leaning the dog in that one. Um, for a variety of reasons. And plus, I mean, if you go back and look at the way the Colts and Broncos played early in the season, Broncos got out to a big lead. Colts were able to recover and come back. Um, you know, I think if the Colts can just kind of hang around for the first 15 minutes and not get, uh, you know, sucker punched, so to speak, uh, too early on, um, I think that will give them a lot of confidence to kind of move forward. Um, and, you know, I like Andrew Luck a lot. I mean, I think he's the, the next big generation quarterback behind Brady and Manning. Um, and, you know, when you got a guy like that slinging the ball, a lot of good things can happen sometimes. So it should be interesting to see how it plays out. Should be. Um, yeah, no, I'm sticking with the Broncos, despite <laughs> despite the, uh, the point. Counterpoint. I, I think it should be. The beauty of all this is that we get to find out, right? We get to find out. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it would be a boring podcast if you and I agreed on everything. So at least yeah. we've got one here at the end that we uh, don't see eye eye on. So uh, I want to thank my guest, Gil Alexander, for jumping on during his busy schedule. Uh, Gil, you know, Definitely appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, it's a real honor to have you on and, and discuss your background, and your experience, and uh, your interactions with Bob, and you know your approach to handicapping in general, and really more specifically on the baseball side. Um, you know, it's very refreshing, and it was it was good to talk to you tonight. Uh, let all the listeners know where they can find you online between Twitter and I know you mentioned a couple of the podcasts that you're working on. Uh, Twitter is at beating the book. That is my Twitter handle, and my podcast is called Beating the Book, and that can be found on iTunes, on Stitcher, all the normal outlets, and uh, yeah, it's the only podcast I'm, that I work on. Actually, you can also find me, I'm a regular guest, a weekly guest, on William Hill's UK NFL pod. It's a real trip to be able to talk to folks from the UK about our NFL. It's fascinating. And so they're super into the sport. And so that's, you know, again, I, my joke is if every single game in the NFL, when every single game in the NFL is played in London five years from now, thanks to Roger Goodell's dream, I will be complicit in that. So that's the other place you can find me. Great stuff, Gil. Thank you so much again. So that's it for this week, everybody. Hopefully you had your pens and papers out and got a lot of good notes uh, between Gil and myself. So as you guys know, you can subscribe to this podcast both on SoundCloud and on iTunes. But until next time, good luck and keep cashing.